The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Recording here. The instructions I offer for this class and following on from yesterday, um, very simple, just like relax, recognize that you're aware, notice what's obvious, and check your relationship to the experience. And yet there are times when just doing that simple instruction, just relaxing and receiving what's obvious, there's certain aspects of our experience that we're so unfamiliar with or that are so far out of our norm that we don't even know to look or that our minds are not um, able to notice something that it's not seen before. This is not not unusual, it's not uncommon that we kind of orient to look at things that we're familiar with. And so um, during the week, this is kind of the flavor of the um, instructions that I offer. It's not so much an instruction as something to do, but more an instruction as a pointer to something you might not have seen before. And so it's not, it's not saying you need to look at this right now, but it's in a, in a, in a kind of a way it'll be a you might be able to see this in your experience and there'll be an invitation to check out, can you see this? Uh, Can can you you notice what's happening in your experience from this perspective? Not necessarily trying to change the experience, but but, um, just recognizing perhaps something about your experience that is not familiar to you. So that's the flavor of what I'll offer in the middle of the afternoon. Right now I'll just kind of recap the the, the basic um, the basic instructions. So um, starting with the uh, the perspective, actually, the Saito Utejaniya really emphasizes the perspective of wisdom. And in fact, one of the books that he wrote uh, was called "Awareness Alone Is Not Enough." That just simply being aware of our experience, typically or or possibly habitually, if we're just aware of experience, without having a kind of a teaching or an informing of the way to be aware of that experience, then we'll tend to be aware of that experience in the way that we've learned to be aware in the past. So our habits, our conditioning will inform how we are aware. And so, you know, we might um, go up to somebody on the street who's angry and um, somebody who potentially hasn't had any meditation instruction, and ask them, do you know that you're angry? Are you aware that you're angry? And they would say, well, yeah, I know that I'm angry. But they're not noticing that anger. They're not aware of that anger in the way that will cultivate an understanding of that quality in the mind and how it, how it creates suffering in their mind. And so it's not just awareness that we're cultivating. We are cultivating awareness from a particular perspective, from this perspective of wisdom, the wisdom of how suffering arises, how suffering is created, um, and uh, that, that that creation of suffering is intimately connected to our relationship to experience. So this is the the topic that I spoke about this morning, the wisdom piece. And um, those of you who are attending the retreat who didn't have a chance to be here this morning, I would encourage you to listen to the talk because it really frames the work that we're doing this week, um, how we are paying attention. 
So the, the, the awareness needs to be joined with this perspective of wisdom. And one way maybe to frame this um, in a simple way, you know, this morning I talked about more the, the whole like Buddhist context of wisdom, um, but a simple way to frame what kind of awareness we're looking at or what kind of awareness we're cultivating is an awareness that's curious about the experience that's happening right now. So not curious about what I should do about this experience, but more of a kind of a non-judgmental curiosity observation of the experience. So, um, you know, what, this is what's happening right now. Anger is arising right now. Frustration is arising right now. Love is arising right now. Patience is arising right now. What is the experience? What is it like to be a human being experiencing patience? What is it like to be a human being experiencing love or anger or frustration? That's the perspective that if we're, if we're observing our experience with that curiosity, not anger's arising, I need to do something about it, but, oh, anger's arising. What's this like? Then, then we are looking at the experience through this perspective of wisdom. So um, the Buddha actually pointed to, I mean, sometimes we speak about mindfulness as being um, always, always good in some way, you know, that, that when, however we, we pay attention to our experience, then, then mindfulness is a good thing. But the Buddha actually pointed to that there can be wrong mindfulness, and this wrong mindfulness, it, it's embedded. It's, there's not really a definition of it, but it's, it, it is um, embedded in the perspective of what, what we could say the wrong eightfold path. So he said that if you have wrong understanding, if you, if you don't understand, wrong understanding here is what we could call the opposite of the understanding that this relationship is where the suffering is created. We might think that the, like for instance, the view that the problem is out there in the world and it needs to be fixed out there. That is a view that um, won't allow us to do the work to free our, our own minds from the ways that it's stuck and clinging. And so wrong view informs wrong intention. We could also use the word unskillful. That might be wrong and right are kind of a little judgmental. So unskillful view informs unskillful intention, informs unskillful speech, action, livelihood, informs unskillful effort, informs unskillful mindfulness. And so this is the way, and unskillful concentration. And so he he framed that there is uh, an eightfold path. There's ways that all of those factors in the eightfold path, the views that motivate us, there are unskillful views that are possible. And if we are motivated by unskillful views, unskillful um, mindfulness will result. And so, you know, we might think about, you know, reflect on, uh, I, I mentioned the, you know, the person being angry and going up to them and saying, do you know that you're angry? And yeah, they know they're angry, but they're not really aware of it in this way that we're speaking about. Another example of wrong mindfulness might be somebody who is a thief, who's extremely aware of their actions and their movements in going into a house, of breaking into a house, very clearly knowing every step, being very careful, very quiet to move through the house. But the motivation for that 
is greed. The motivation is not wanting to understand the experience of going through the house. <laughs> there's, there's the, the goal is to get these things and, and steal them. And so the motivation is important. And so this is what Sayadaw basically means when he says awareness alone is not enough. It needs to be merged with a view that is curious about what is this experience? And so this, you know, tying it to the Eightfold Path, the first factor of the Eightfold Path, there is suffering. The Buddha said suffering should be understood. And that understanding is about looking at the experience. What is this experience of suffering? So this, it, it comes back to the way um, we, are, we learn how to be mindful, how to be aware. And, you know, we can teach. In many ways, we do teach mindfulness here. And in, in, in a way, the, the wisdom is embedded in how we encourage you to pay attention. And so it's kind of like almost stealth wisdom. You know, we, we encourage you to notice, you know, notice the experience of breathing, not judging yourself for it, not pushing um, things away, you know, noticing when things arise that are challenging and not pushing those away, beginning to recognize the skillful and the unskillful, what helps us to be more at ease. So in a way, the, the way that we teach mindfulness here, it is wise mindfulness that we're teaching. We are, we are including that perspective right in how we offer the instructions. And so we um, are working to establish this kind of mindfulness that is imbued with this perspective of wisdom, this curiosity about what is this experience and how, how is this experience being put together and how is what's happening in this mind contributing to suffering or reactivity that's happening in this mind. And as, as the mind starts to see that, what, what I've seen happening is like the wisdom that grows there, the wisdom begins to... And there's some kind of inherent wisdom in our organism too, what I, I see. It's not, it's not just the, the wisdom that the Buddha pointed to, but as we are engaged in the wisdom that the Buddha pointed to, being curious about our experience in the present moment, it kind of dovetails with this kind of inherent movement in our organism that wants to move in the direction of well-being. You know, our organism actually wants to have this experience of well-being. And the, um, uh, the whole way that that mechanism of moving us to well-being has been working has been misinformed by beliefs and views that certain, certain things will make me happy. We've gotten misinformation, we've engaged. This is one of the scary things about the way our minds work. We have a belief or a view. We engage in the world from that perspective and we tend to see things that corroborate that perspective. And so we can have a misunderstand, misinformed view of the world, look out at the world and say, yep, that view's right. Because our minds tend to find evidence that says, that corroborates what we already believe. And so uh, practicing mindfulness in the way that we're doing here with this curiosity about the experience, it, it tends to help our mind recognize, oh, that belief I had about having to be separated from something is the only way to make me happy. 
That's actually not true. And actually the feeling of the pushing away is already suffering. And that, that is an option the mind has picked up on its own. And so the mind begins to recognize and understand that what it is, how it is participating in relationship to the world is directly linked to its own struggles and suffering. And so it begins those, that, that mechanism of moving us to well-being gets joined up with um, practices that give, the, give the, the organism better information about what's actually going on. And so it's like our, our system begins to reorient. Our system begins to help us to let go. Along with the wisdom that grows, the system begins to help us let go of the ways in which our um, mind tends to relate to the world in these unskillful ways. And so it's a wonderful thing that both the wisdom can grow, having heard the wisdom from the perspective of the Buddha, and then this kind of way that our organism is put together will tend, both of those things will tend to move us in the direction of freedom. It's not something that we do. We engage in creating conditions that helps the mind move in that way. But it's the wisdom that does the work, that does the transformation. And so for this particular practice, we really encourage the, uh, the observation and the curiosity not to direct the attention to any one thing in particular, but to uh, open to whatever's happening and then begin to notice the relationship. Because the relationship to what is happening is the biggest place where that suffering is created. And so relaxation being an important piece, as I mentioned yesterday, the the um, relaxing the body, relaxing the mind, creates the conditions, it creates conditions to allow a kind of almost natural awareness to emerge. And then as that natural awareness emerges, we orient it towards curiosity about what's this. So that again, that natural awareness that emerges is kind of neutral. You know, it is just this capacity of our minds to know what's happening in the present moment while it's happening. But it can, that capacity can be aimed towards being really quiet while going through a house to steal things. Or it can be aimed towards, what is this? How is this a human being experiencing this right now? So the relaxation is a supportive condition for the arising of that very natural quality. And then we, uh, we join that with the, the intention and the direction of, okay, that natural experience of being aware, let's direct it to curiosity to this human experience. And then the next piece once there is this kind of awareness and the, this, these parts of the instructions, you know, noticing what's obvious and being curious about that, that embeds that, why, that wisdom. It embeds a piece of the wisdom. This is how we want to observe experience. Awareness is there. We recognize the awareness. And then what's obvious, what's coming into that awareness and being curious about it. Not to do something with it, but to learn. So our, uh, that's a piece of our of our motivation as well as learning, curiosity about this human experience. So relax, recognize awareness. Am I aware? And what's that? Can you know, step in, acknowledge that experience of being aware? 
And then what's obvious? The, um, the next piece is uh, checking into the relationship. And this piece is an important piece of our practice, but we need some stability of the mindfulness. These first two pieces, well, the first three, the relax, recognize the awareness, and notice what's obvious, that begins to stabilize the mindfulness. It begins to help us to uh, land for maybe a few moments at a time uh, with what's happening. And then it's helpful to have some stability of mindfulness before we kind of look into the relationship. So we, we establish some sense of the, um, the continuity of mindfulness. And then as there is some level of continuity, we can begin to check into, and how am I with what's happening? So there, this is arising right now. I'm aware that there's frustration arising right now. What's my relationship to that? Hmm, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. So first of all, there's the acknowledgement. So there's something happening. Maybe it's a pain in the knee. And then there's an experience of frustration. So the, the frustration is in, in relationship to the pain. So that's almost the attitude. We could say that's the attitude in connection to the pain. But maybe the frustration is the main thing that you're noticing. And then you didn't notice that you had a belief that the frustration is a problem, that you had to fix it somehow. And so that's, that's kind of the, the relationship that we may begin to see. If we're having some stability of mindfulness, it's able, oh yeah, frustrated right now. Okay, knowing that, knowing that, aware of that. And then, okay, and what, how am I with that frustration? This is a problem. Okay, <laughs> there's the attitude. So recognizing that we can we can we can know okay well there's a there's a view that it's a problem and we have learned actually one of the bits of wisdom that the buddha uh, that the teachings of the buddha point to is there's nothing inherently in our experience that's problematic and so maybe we have this belief that it's problematic but we can remind ourselves kind of bring in the wisdom that well maybe it's not problematic but so recognizing, okay, there's, there's the, the feeling of frustration and there's a belief happening right now. So this is being believed and can I hold that whole thing, knowing that. So the, the work with the attitude can get really subtle and really um, delicate in a way. And so um, we need to really emphasize the stability of the, of the mindfulness to begin and then, you know, and I encourage you even in the early stages of practice to, um, to check in with the attitude from time to time. Um, so as we, as we begin to settle in meditation, maybe every few minutes, just kind of checking in. And how am I in relationship to this? Early on in the practice, it, it, may, not, it may not be too obvious, it's not a digging, this checking into the attitude. It's not a trying to figure it out. It's not thinking about it. It's more of a kind of opening to, if to me it almost feels like, okay, this is what I'm paying attention to. It's almost like step back. And how am I with this? And the feeling of checking the attitude almost just feels like opening and stepping back. So it's not a turn around, look. It's not that kind of movement. It more feels like an opening and a settling back. And sometimes something will appear and arise. It's like, 
sometimes it's really clear. You know, it's like, oh yeah, there's a pain in my knee, and I hate that pain in my knee. It's right there, the attitude in connection with that. Sometimes it's not so clear. And so you don't have to figure it out. If you're checking the attitude and there's nothing obvious, just keep going with, am I aware? And what's obvious? You don't have to stop and figure it out. Just, I mean, it may be that it's just, well, things are kind of rolling along. It's okay. That may be one reason why we don't notice a particular attitude when we check in. It might just be a a subtle flavor of, well, things are okay. I'm not, it's not a problem that there's that experience happening. Or it might be a kind of a subtle flavor of greed or aversion that's just not like screaming at us, but it's a little quieter. And so sometimes those take some time to, uh, to reveal themselves to us. It's like they're a little shy or something, so we have to... Um, Give them, some, give them some room to appear. So those are the basic um, pieces of the instruction. We're cultivating awareness from a particular perspective, from the perspective of wisdom, of curiosity about our present moment experience, and curiosity about how that present moment experience is connected to suffering and not suffering. So that's kind of the, the aim or the perspective we're bringing to the, to the mindfulness. And we relax. Taking some time to let the body and mind settle so that the natural capacity of the mind to be aware can arise. And then we begin. What's here? Noticing that awareness. And what's obvious? Am I aware? What's obvious? and then checking the attitude from time to time. It's such a simple practice. It is such a simple practice. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that practice doesn't have to be complicated, that it's okay if it feels like it's easier or settled back or something. I mean, when I first started doing this style of practice, and I was just wandering around noticing what I'm noticing, it's like, well, this is way too easy. This cannot be possibly leading to insight. It's just like, I'm just noticing what's happening. So that initially the kind of sense of noticing what's happening might be the kind of more obvious things that happen in our lives, happen in our day. But that begins to build this thread of continuity. And then as the thread of continuity begins to strengthen, we start to see deeper layers of what's happening in our minds. Very... um, uh, Almost naturally... That happens. And this happens with the, um, the way that we encourage the, the mindfulness is with this light touch of effort, not holding on to trying to stay mindful, but just gently like, reminding ourselves, oh, be aware, can I, know, can I know this? And how about this? And how about this? And then the mind wanders and we wake up again. It's like, oh, opportunity to know what awareness is. <laughs> Here I am. And then what's next? What's next? So really light touch is what allows that, con- that thread of continuity to build in a very natural way without a lot of force. And so, you know, this... Uh, I had one retreat actually where I was doing this practice the whole time and by the end of that retreat I came out saying, yes, this practice is enough. This practice. It's going right to the heart of where suffering is. 
which is looking at our mind's relationship to the experience. Looking at whether there's greed, aversion, or delusion in the mind. Whether there's love or compassion or joy in the mind. It's, it's going right to the heart of where the Buddha said suffering is. And seeing that is the seeing that frees the mind. So let's sit together. And I'll do a little bit of a guided uh, with this. So relaxing the body. Remembering how relaxation supports this whole process. And remembering too how important it is to consciously soften the muscles of the face. There is a very powerful link between the expression on our face and the quality of our mind. This has been researched. And research shows that changing the expression on our face can directly affect the state of our mind. And so relaxation of the muscles of the face, softening across the forehead, around the eyes, softening the jaw, That will feed back and help soften the mind. Relaxing the top and back of the head, the neck, the shoulders. The arms and hands. Relaxing the muscles around the rib cage, chest and upper back. Sometimes I find very naturally as I kind of turn my attention to that area to relax those muscles, there's a deep breath that comes with that. You might experiment with that deep breath. Notice how that might support a relaxation of that area. Relaxing the stomach and abdomen. The middle and lower back. The hips, the pelvis legs and feet. And then checking in too, perhaps there can be a softening in the core, deep inside the body. And maybe the inside of the throat can relax. Maybe the heart can relax. 
the stomach and the intestines. Maybe they too can relax. And then maybe too the mind can relax. Letting go of worries, concerns, thoughts, ways that mental tension expresses thoughts about past or future. Maybe there, those can, that energy, that mental energy can be softened a little bit. And maybe using Gill's analogy that can support relaxing the mind as if your brain were a muscle. Maybe the brain can relax. And then too, I also find it helpful and interesting sometimes to ask the body and mind if there's a way that our system knows how to relax that we don't have conscious access to. So sometimes dropping in the phrase, not trying to do anything with it, but just drop it into the mind. May the body relax. See if there's a response in the body and mind. There may or may not be. It's okay if nothing happens. But sometimes our system knows how to release something that we don't know how to do consciously. May the body relax. the mind relax. And from this foundation of relaxation, perhaps there is already an awareness that's available Are you aware? Just gently taking in that you know you're aware. And what is obvious? Letting whatever is obvious, just whatever's already being received by that awareness, just knowing that. It will be different for each of you. Maybe it's hearing or body sensation. Those are two very obvious pieces of experience that often are available easily. Or maybe an emotion or a mood. Are you aware? What's obvious? With a light touch connecting to experience, 
we're not aiming our attention at anything. We're really letting this natural process of awareness support us. Am I aware? What's that experience that awareness knows, already aware of? Curiosity about this aspect of being human. Maybe it seems mundane. Just the feet, contact of feet on the ground or hands touching. Or maybe the experience of hearing. This very seemingly mundane experience is kind of a miracle. We're exploring and beginning to understand the processes at work in our minds that create human experience. It's amazing. Even a breath is not really mundane. A sound And so relax. Are you aware? Noticing this flow of experience already happening, always tumbling on. Sometimes it can feel like or there can be the experience almost like the the attention or the mind is kind of following along it's like the the mind is kind of following along with where the attention is going just this is what the the attention's drawn to and the next thing now a sound now a body sensation now a breath, following that attention. You can sometimes have that feeling of following. Or sometimes it can have the feeling that we're just kind of settled back. Aware. And it feels like things are coming to us. They're just being received in this field of awareness. Different ways it can feel at different times. Might feel smooth and flowy. Might feel discreet and disjointed, each experience separate. I feel like there's long gaps between obvious experience. Just 
trusting, whatever you're noticing, that is what you're noticing. And the mind will wander. It will forget about this connection to being aware. And yet the conditions of our bodies and minds, without our having to do it, mindfulness will re-arise. That moment can help us to understand and connect with the experience of awareness itself. This is what it's like to be aware. Aware again. It's also a pointer to how mindfulness can be really effortless. Because that moment when mindfulness returns without our doing anything, that's a moment of effortless mindfulness. It just happened. And so that moment after the mind has been wandering, it's a great moment. And then it can be useful to check in what has been the effect of that wandering. There may be some tension that's crept in. You may find it useful to relax the body again. Or you may notice, actually, at times it does happen. After the mind has wandered, if there's no judgment in the mind as the mindfulness re-arises, sometimes we can notice there's actually more calm, more ease, more peace available than was there before the mind wandered. If that's the case, let yourself land in that. Oh, this is the feeling of more relaxation. And then what's obvious? What's here in this moment?
Every now and then it's useful to check in. How am I with this experience? What's the relationship? What's the attitude? Is it one of wanting to hold on to something? Wanting to push something away? Maybe some confusion or disconnection? Or maybe it's, this is okay. If you notice a particular flavor in connection with experience, it's just almost that we just let that thing be part of the field of experience that we're now aware of. Often those attitudes are hidden behind the scenes and so we can't be aware of them. But when we ask the question and it may bubble something up into our conscious awareness, then we can just simply know that's a piece of our experience. Oh yeah, frustration's also happening. And maybe that can be okay. And so we actually move in the direction of that okayness, of that attitude of being able to be present with whatever's happening with ease, what Sayadaw Utejaniya calls wise attitude. We move in the direction of wise attitude by getting to know these attitudes of push and pull, of frustration and wanting, confusion. And so it's not a problem when some kind of attitude of greed or aversion or confusion is revealed, it actually is what allows the transformation to begin. So celebrate, celebrate that. Relax. Are you aware? What's obvious?